We're out of Sprite, but Carmi made this for you. What do you mean he made it for me? He made it for you. It's like a goddamn pop machine, this guy. Yo. Right? You sold the car, and then at the end, you find the horse. Nah, shut the fuck up. Throw the fucking fork. Welcome to the Bear Brigade, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm Megan Mills, and I'm here with the Soup Deucer to talk about Season 2 of The Bear from FX and Hulu. I'm here just having a Coors Light in a thunderstorm, hoping my electricity holds up, hoping the internet keeps working. How are you doing tonight, Soup? Uh, a little better than that. I don't have the thunderstorm situation going on, so uh, that's definitely good. Taking her easy, man. Taking her easy. You know, drinking a little PBR and... uh. Just fucking taking it all in, man. Easy, easy with a little couple of mosquitoes, huh? Yeah, there's definitely definitely a few mosquitoes out here tonight. Even hey, a mosquito over there. I see how it is, dude. That's <laughs> uh, very southern of you. You're 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 right there in the zone. And uh, thank y'all for checking out the Bear Brigade again, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube or on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Please, just like you don't want to forget to get stuff fixed in the kitchen. You don't want to forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's how people find our show. That's how people find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, give us that thumb. Come on, you know how important a good review is, right? And, you know, along that note, I'm a regular dude. I do not work in kitchens or restaurants or what have you. While the soup is a guy who has done that, he has worked in numerous restaurants, kitchens, what have yous. I think he was even behind the bar at one point in time. So, uh, tell us what we're talking about in this episode of The Bear Brigade. This is an episode that is far different than any other episode of either season, man. You know, it's uh, it does involve a lot of food. There is a lot of food involved, and I like that. But this is some crazy home cooking shit, man. Um, definitely very cool. I'm looking forward to getting into talking about that and some of the various things that they're doing in the kitchen and the way they're doing it in there, man. Again, outside of the restaurant, in the home, in a holiday environment with a very, very heated uh, dialogue. So let's begin. <laughs> And at least it's nice that it's not super stressful because this is set like 240 some weeks before opening night. So they have that going for them. And uh, please be aware that this is going to be a full spoiler affair for season two, episode six of the bear episode titled fishes. We will also be talking about all previous episodes. We're going to make an effort not to spoil anything past this episode, but there is a chance we might want to talk about some stuff. If that's the case, we'll do it in a little spoiler section at the end. We'll let you know before you get there. So that's pretty much all you need to know. Now have a drink and get ready for the uh, the, the course, the meal of the seven fishes. I think it needs a cooler name. That's part of the problem. Yeah, um, it's a mouthful. But, you know, when you're, when you're talking about seven fucking fishes, it's going to be a bit of a name. Man, shit, I don't know. What could it be? A feast of fishes? I think you have to include seven in there somehow, though. So, I don't know. It's a tough one, man. This is Season 2, Episode 6 of The Bear, the 14th overall episode of the show, titled Fishes. It released on June 22nd, 2023, along with the rest of Season 2, directed by showrunner Chris Storer. This is the eighth episode of The Bear that he has directed, written by show co-runners Joanna Callow and Christopher Storer. This is her second written by credit as a duo on The Bear. They previously wrote the season one finale, so you know it's pretty fire when they're teaming up for one. Guest starring Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, Jamie Lee Curtis as Donna Brazado, Jillian Jacobs as Tiffany Jeremovich, John Milani as Stevie, Bob Odenkirk as Uncle D, Sarah Paulson as Cousin Michelle, Richie Staffieri as Theodore Fack, Chris Wistocki as Pete, 
John Barenthal as Michael, and Margo Kidwell as Carol. The short plot synopsis is flashback to an intense and heated Christmas dinner in the Rosado family. And just for the record, if like that crazy list of guest stars and the super vague plot synopsis didn't kind of tip it off, this was some wild stuff. Uh, Soup, kind of give me your overall thoughts here on this 66-minute episode, almost a triple bagger episode of The Bear, Fishes. Yeah, uh, it, it built and built through the uh, entire 66 minutes of the uh of the episode there, you know, and like I said earlier, it's completely different than any other episode, but it does show a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, background, you know, and backstories and what kind of like foundations that made some of these characters or explained some of these characters and how they are and who they are and all that. And I still don't know what all the seven, what the seven fucking fishes are, you know. Well, it's one of those things, right? It's like how the Joker got his scars in the Dark Knight. Like yeah. you never hear the actual story, right? Like everyone's got a version of it, and maybe you hear the real one, maybe you didn't. Could it be any difference? Any seven fishes, though? You know, because I know there was lobster involved. Do they? Well, I mean, I think that's the point. Like the tradition is the point, right? Just the fact that yeah. you do it, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be any kind of fish. You know, you could go grouper, snapper, fucking uh, tuna, lobster. It's not a tuna, dude. It's not a tuna. Fucking tuna. <laughs> and uh, before I get into my overall thoughts, just it, how did the, the surprise guest stars hit you? Because the only one we knew was showing up, at least that I did, it was Bob Odenkirk. So just how did that hit you? Uh, pretty solid, man. I was I was very, very impressed. Um, yeah, I did. I did hear that there was a possibility of Odenkirk being on the show. I, I think that kind of leaked. And that was the only one I knew about. And then, uh, you know, as I was watching this and I and fucking I see shit, that's Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, because they don't tell you this at the beginning either. There's no titles you know, no title card or anything about who's like starring in this or whatever. So as these characters come in, you're like, shit, oh man, that's fucking Sarah Paulson, dude. You know, I mean, it was uh, definitely very cool. And they all did such a good fucking job, man. So. Yeah, I'll co-sign right. with that. I mean, honestly, they were all great. It, it, really, like I'm not usually a, a huge John Mulani guy and I thought he absolutely crushed here. Uh, you, you mentioned her, Sarah Paulson. I mean, everybody is just bringing it, but especially Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm really yeah. honestly expecting uh, she was nominated. I expect her to probably take home like the the best uh, guest actress award. I mean, I, I honestly really think she will. It was an incredible performance. I loved everything here. Like you said, it, it fleshed everyone out, right? You got all this backstory, but not a ton of it. They didn't sit you down and like narrate. This is what happened to so-and-so. It's all there in conversation, but it's up to you to pick up on it. And I yeah, really enjoy that kind of writing. They're not, you know, they're not spoon feeding the audience. They're saying the information is here. You have to pay attention. And and then, you know, it wasn't a huge part of it. And I like that they didn't make it a huge part, but we got the, the sugar origin story. I love that it wound up being yeah. just as stupid as it, oh, what do you sugar instead of salt? The end. Like, of course, that's what it would be. Right, man. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I remember one time when I was, uh, when I was young and before I knew anything about fucking food. I went to, uh, it was probably like early first year college or something like that, you know, like uh, I was I was just fresh out on my own and I went to the store to get some fucking lettuce and shit because I think we were building burgers and we wanted lettuce for our burgers or something. And I came back with a fucking head of cabbage, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, nobody wanted fucking cabbage on their fucking sandwich. I know that much because we kicked that motherfucker around the parking lot for a long time. <laughs> well, I mean... For what it probably cost back in the day, it was probably a buck or something. It probably wasn't that bad of a deal if you got to play with it for a while. Yeah, I think it was the hassle of going and getting, you know, <laughs> going back. Right. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, just overall, I think I wasn't expecting this, right? This came out of nowhere. 
I, I figured there might be another flashback type episode, but I didn't dream it would be a triple longer drop, like right in the middle of the season, especially coming off an episode that had a lot of momentum. Kind of put all that on pause just to have this fucking, you know, uh, flashback episode or whatever, which was, a, you know, a banger and a, and a fucking long one right in the middle of the fucking, I think it broke it up perfectly because we come back, you know, we'll talk about, we don't really want to talk about future episodes, but it comes back and it just is right there again, you know, so. Yeah, I just keep using the word self-assured for this show to just drop this in the middle of their second season like it was nothing. You right. know, this is just like a flex without flexing, really. Yeah. It just shows you like this is a, there's a reason they got nominated for so many awards. I think it was completely worth it. And we've basically been saying this, but this episode is different than the rest of the season, put it that way. So we're going to do this one a bit differently. We're just going to kind of go through it chronologically, start to finish. So I ask, you know, get your drink, whatever, uh, you know, get ready for your cannoli at the end and get ready for Christmas in Chicago with the, the Brazado family. So Christmas in Chicago land, dude. Yo. Right? Right? And we kick it off, and it's a younger brunette, Natalie Sugar. She's outside smoking a cigarette with Mikey outside their mother's house. Natalie's real worried about their mom. Mikey wants her to quit asking mom if she's okay. This is very important to stop. Carm comes out because he wants Mikey's help dealing with all the people. Natalie suggests that Carm deals with mom, and Mikey deals with the people. We are 256 weeks from the opening of the bear, and we briefly see some of the guest stars before we really meet them. And then it's time for the opening credits, which is uh, something that the show really doesn't have. It's a show without really an opening credit sequence. There's not really a ton to this particular scene, but I thought it was cool getting the three siblings together, right? We finally got the Brazado kids and you get the idea of what they're good at really, right? Like Mikey's the guy who deals with people. Karn's the guy who deals with mom and Sugar kind of manages them. I thought this was a really good way to open this episode up, man. You know, so you can, you know, there's hectic, it's commotion in the background, you know, whenever somebody comes out the door, it's, you know, you can hear, you can just tell it's tense in there, man, you know, and, uh, and then, and then, yeah, the relationship between the three of them, you know, it, it just gives you a little sprinkle, which is just enough to kind of get, now we know kind of who these people are and how they are with each other, you know. Yeah. And it's got a nice touch. You get the setup of the bear nickname, right? We really didn't get that in the first season here but it seems to be like their family term of endearment right they, they call each other bear for the most part it's, it's and it makes sense of you know why he would want to call the restaurant that you know and we even heard that back in episode two or whatever when claire tells him of course i remember you you're carmen you're the bear right. and you know I, the whole thing is really cool did you like the choice of setting in a christmas Obviously, there needed to be a, a reason to bring all these characters together to get Karm to come home. But they, so when you set it at Christmas, you got to do a Christmas episode, or in this case, it's a Christmas movie, basically, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like that's an added degree of difficulty, isn't it? Like yes. they could have easily probably done some relative we didn't know's funeral, you know, and use that as an excuse. And it would have been easier because then you don't have the stress of also doing Christmas stuff. Thanksgiving might have been equally as uh, it like it probably could have been second to a Christmas episode. So yeah, maybe someone's getting married, something like that. There's probably a another way you could have gone that was a little bit easier. But you know, if, I, if anything, I would like to see. I would have if it wasn't Christmas. I would like to see it be Thanksgiving because not enough people fucking do Thanksgiving, man. You know, well, like, imagine this family. You figure I would think they would even go harder at Thanksgiving, right? Right. So that, that might be that might make for a great episode. What do you do? Do you twelve birds? Do you do twelve birds at Thanksgiving? 
Maybe we'll find out next season, dude. <laughs> I mean, we'll ask Charlie Kelly. He's the, the most versed of us in the uh, bird law. In, I guess the only thing I, I want to ask is before we move on, what were you expecting from their mom the way they set it up? Because, you know, they kind of were tiptoeing around, right? Like you kind of know, maybe it's not a family member, that people you have to tiptoe around because you're worried about setting them off. And you see that when Mikey's like, quit asking her if she's okay, because they all seem to know she's not okay. But making, you know, asking her, that seems to be a trigger or whatever. And I I think we've all kind of known someone like that, right? So I was definitely really intrigued about how their mom, you know, who she was going to be after all this buildup. Yeah, it was a lot of buildup. And it definitely, uh, I mean, it definitely sized up, you know, as soon as uh, we're not quite... We're not quite to that scene yet, but uh, as soon as we do get introduced to uh, to her there, it's you know it was kind of what I was expecting from the buildup, you know, which uh, was was played perfectly. Yeah, and uh, shout out "All Alone on Christmas" by Darlene Love. That was a, a nice drop there, and we get a couple of the subtle introductions. One of my favorite is with Lee. That's a uh, Bob Odenkirk's character, and a he does a whole bit with a Dutch oven, but uh, he also talks to, to Stephen uh, Jabalani's character, and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm here every year." Right, right. <laughs> Little touches like that. And then Karim just got to mention, like, oh, you're not answering my calls, which kind of sets up the drug thing, right? Like, you can see that or whatever. And it's almost just like a throwaway line here. So they do a lot for, like, an opening kind of segment here, right? It's a very economical. You know, yeah, it definitely lets you know that, hey, man, this is a situation, like, you know, without having to fucking spell it out for you. Like, all, you, all they had to do is drop that one line, well, you don't return calls. Now you know they have a fucking situation where Mikey's not getting in touch, you know? And Carm's upset by that, you know, or disappointed or, or let down. Yeah, or... and just the way they're all worried about dealing with their mom. That sets up, like, you know, right. even, again, throughout the whole episode, everyone's building up, like, oh, what's, what do you think Don is going to do? Is she going to blow up? You know, it, it's just really interesting. Like, they almost light the fuse with that here. Yeah. Yeah. From there, we move on and we see the facts. And they unsuccessfully pitch Uncle Jimmy on a baseball card scheme. And then it's time to meet. Donna Verzato, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. She's in the kitchen, trying to prepare the traditional seven fishes meal. Carm tries to help, but they're continually interrupted by everybody else. Mikey and Carm argue a bit before Donna forces Carm to say, I love you. We also meet Tiffany, who is Richie's wife. She's pregnant, and she just threw up. Donna tells her to go lie down on her bed, and Richie says that he'll find her a Sprite. There's no Sprite, but Carm says he can make Sprite. Of course he can. He's a great chef, right? And Donna continues to get more and more stressed about all the cooking. All right, so what do you want to start on? Making Sprite or the introduction of Donna? Making Sprite happened after the introduction, but let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Making Sprite, dude, why the fuck not? If you don't have sparkling water in the house, you might be fucked. But Sprite's pretty easy. It's all you need, man. With those sugar, some lemon juice, lime juice, and some fucking sparkling fucking water, dude. You have Sprite. Yeah, I think Carm went right to it, too. He had the lemons and the lime, just did a little pinchy, put them on a little carbonated water, I think you said, probably a little sugar, maybe a little, maybe he's got a little bit of that, you know, after you get a Michelin startup, they give you a little bit of the secret spice, like you just secret got that spice. little, like, super allspice, you just need to put, like, just a little sprinkle in it and it makes anything it, better. It, it just comes out of your, yeah, it just, come, it just ex- excretes out of your fingertips, you know, it doesn't matter what you're seasoning something with, you just get, like, that extra special spice. Yeah, it's like 70% LSD, but no one really counts yeah. it. it. It makes every dish a little bit more flavored. Sense, yeah. yeah, it's a super deep cut of Futurama reference from uh, their little uh, cooking episode, which was awesome. I just thought that was a nice touch because it showed you how good Karm was, right? 
Like without even thinking, he's like, he wants Sprite, I'll make Sprite. He didn't even flinch. No, 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 I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. It's fine. Oh, gonna you're going to make You're going to make Sprite? Yeah. Oh, you're going to make Sprite? Yeah, I'm going to make fucking Sprite. Yeah. Are you fucking pop machine? Yeah, I'm a fucking pop machine. It was like, so he had to do this at some point already, right? Because he, or he's that good. Well, yeah, if you other. haven't already done, yeah, if you haven't already done something like, like that or, or, or anything, you don't just automatically, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just make it, you know, like you had to have had to have done that before, you know? let's just talk about donna i mean she comes in and, and at first i was shocked i i just like yes yeah, that jamie lee curtis and lo and behold it was jamie lee curtis i it just she just seemed right after watching about a minute i'm like yep that's carb's mother like that's mikey's mother. it made sense right she just felt that was their mom and the whole thing kind of makes sense and there's so much going on here like sugar sneaking vodka you got uncle jimmy kind of coming out he's got this weird thing going on with her they set up the whole like is steven gay runner that that's a joke that keeps going then at one point even comes like why are you making the gravy or whatever and she's like because no one eats this shit like she's making all these fishes even though she knows no one's gonna eat them it's just but she's so determined to do it. I mean, Richie's tickling her. It, it was wild, right? I mean, there's just so much going on at the scene. I think it's almost all done in one take. You just, you know, you're just yeah. playing back and forth and back and forth, and everyone's coming in and out. And that's a small kitchen, too, right? It, it definitely was uh, definitely was jammed up and, and hectic in there, man. And yeah, you're right, man. I I didn't reckon I didn't recognize Jamie Lee Curtis right away. It took me a minute after, like, you know, I was like, holy shit, I think yeah man that's definitely her you know <laughs> but who else you're you know now thinking about it man who else could have could have done that she's perfect for it either that or she just fucking did such a stellar job that she made it perfect you know but i mean exactly you could tell hey that's uh that's definitely their mom and you know the person that raised three of them and uh just her or the dynamics in the whole family even with uh you know with the with the cousins and everything else it, you know, I mean, the relationship they have with her, it is kind of like that tiptoe around because this person is a fucking lunatic and obviously has gone through, like, situations before where crazy shit has happened, you know, so they're all predicting that something crazy will happen. But she's like a force of nature, right? You get how, like I said, like, she could be both give Karm his skill and his intensity, and you even see that, right, when she, like, yells at him to move a, a pot or something. I swear I heard Karm yell at someone that exact same way in the first season. You, you know what I mean? You can definitely see the relation and the connection between the two of them and the way that you do, you know, there's definitely some other, I'll wait till a little bit later, but it's very, very similarity shits between that kitchen and, you know, a uh, restaurant. Right. And she's got Mikey's magnetism. Like everyone wants to come and talk to her and be in the kitchen with her where like, I think kitchen people like Karen, but I think he's a little off putting to like regular folk where it seems everybody like they love Donna. They know she's kind of crazy. They love her anyways, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and same thing with Mikey. He's got that personality where people are just kind of like drawn to him, you know? Yeah, they know he's kind of a, a train wreck, but he's one of those people, right? He's just like, a, he's, oh, he's a great guy, but he's got some, you know, he, oh, he's just got some issues or whatever. And everyone just, you know, seems to be able to to put up with him. And another just little touch here, like this is the first mention of the forks. He's not in the last car. All right, fix the forks. What can I do? What can right. I do? Fix the forks. Just setting up the forks. And a nice, again, musical touches here. Get the Ramones. Some Ramones, dude. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. Yeah, a little George Harrison. Yeah, like, perfect they're definitely, you know, kind of digging in the crates all over the place. And then just from a cooking standpoint, could you actually cook all the shit she's cooking? Seven fish dishes, a gravy. I mean, how much else could you really? It looks like she's got, what, one oven, a microwave, and four, four snow burners? Maybe toaster oven? 
There, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a reason why uh, he's rotating and everything. But how much can you really? Right, it's a, it's heavy, dude. It's a lot. Very very difficult to do. You'd have to go in in batches or whatever with some of this stuff. Like you'd have to make this, then make this, and hence the timer and everything going off later on. With oh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that when it comes. But uh, but yeah, in order to do all that in that little amount of space, I think it would be incredibly difficult, especially if you have to keep shit warm. That you had to cook before this, then this is going to take another fucking hour or something like that. You see, I see running into problems like that. But um, hey, man, you always got to make it work. Doesn't matter. You take what you got and you make it work, dude. Improvise, adapt to adversity. You know. Honestly, to me, it feels like as if Donna would have, I don't know, lasted or you know lived in a different time. She would have been granted like a reality show, right? She she could cook all these different dishes in this one little kitchen. Like, yeah. all this crazy stuff going around her? Like, she could have had a career on reality shows, I feel. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, and, you know, I just love the guy, too, that everyone asks her, like, multiple times. Why are you doing the seven fishes? Why Everyone asks, like, why are you doing the seven fishes? I love that that just, was just a runner throughout. And everyone kind of has their own version of it. I like that it has, like, I like that it is, like, a bunch of different, could be whatever kind of story or whatever, like, or that everybody has their own version of it. I think that's very cool. And I'm definitely a huge fucking, uh, you know, I'm big on traditions and shit, too, man. So no matter what it is, if you're doing it for the sake of tradition, fucking rock and roll, dude, do it, you know? Yeah, I think Donna's is, is probably my favorite. After that, Carm leaves the kitchen to find Richie, and he finds him with Mikey. They tell Carm that they just saw Claire, who Carm apparently had a crush on. They tried to put in a good word for Carm, but he's upset. They call Stephen over to verify their story. He does, and he notes that Claire's a very good person. He can see why Carm would be in love with her. Carm argues that he's not in love with her, but apparently back in the day, he made some drawings of her, so the guys gave him a bunch of shit about it. Carm gives Richie the sprite that he made, and Donna throws a spoon at them to get him to break it up. Richie heads off to bring Tiffany the sprite, and Carm heads back to the kitchen to help Donna. I mean, this is pretty much the whole bit we get with Claire in this episode that sets up the history we had. And I guess the most notable thing is when they first introduced Claire, I figured he was like, she was like his ex from high school or something, right? And it seems like it was a little bit different that maybe it was like an unrequited crush or something. And do you think they ever actually dated or? I mean, they must have I, talked. I think, it's, I think probably not. Yeah, after this episode, I think maybe they, yeah, I don't think it was like a thing. I'm pretty sure they probably didn't hook up. But maybe they hung out a little bit when they were younger, or maybe just right. It seems like hung out. Maybe you just had that as... secret kind of like crush on her or whatever. Did, I guess. Uh, did you like it? Did the the Claire bit feel shoehorned in, or did that feel kind of natural? It's the only part that really seemed to like super directly apply to the season immediately. It also kind of shows the you know Carm's personality and his uh, you know actions and you know responses to things like that. You know, I mean. Which is why when he ran into her and they did meet and everything else, it was kind of like, you know, extremely awkward at first. But then it could, like you said, it could have been that maybe, you know, used to fuck back in the day or something. But I think at this point, you know, after watching uh, this episode with that particular scene, I don't think that's the case. I think it was more of like they were younger kind of shit. And, you know, it was like a more of like a hanging out, but still a kind of like a thing, you know. I think on some level, it's hard for me to separate that from the fact that when the, the bear first came out in the first season, like Carm was like kind of a sex symbol. And remember there was a whole meme with like, there was all these women sharing the stories, all these like chefs they'd hooked up with and everything like that. So it was the whole like, like, like hot, like hookup chef thing. It was like a whole thing, dude. You, you, you must've missed it. You could have paid off on this one. But uh, so it's hard for me to separate that. Like I always seem like Carm, like 
you know, chicks must love him or whatever. But he really does seem like if all he does is, is cook and everything, he probably really hasn't had many relationships or whatever. So this was kind of maybe a bigger deal for him than I thought it was initially, where I thought it was just some random ex. Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, some of those old, like, fuck, I can't think, I can't nail one particularly, but one of those, like, 80s fucking action flicks or, you know, or, or like a cop flick where it's like cops and chicks just don't mix, man, you know? You've heard the line, I'm sure, in dozens of movies. <laughs> so it's kind of like the same thing with, uh, with like, chefs, man, like, because you, you just have to focus totally on that for the most part, man, and, you know, when it comes to relationships and shit, that kind of takes away from what you're doing, or, or musicians even, you know, or whatever the fuck, any artist. Yeah, like Claire says that when she works with, like, with trauma or whatever, like, it's like, you know, 100 hours on, two hours off, or whatever it was. That, so it's hard to find a compatible person that, you know, that doesn't understand or, or relate to that kind of lifestyle, you know? Let me just ask you, do you think the dudes were honestly trying to hook him up with Claire, or were they busting his balls, or a little bit of both? Oh, well, maybe this could actually happen. Remember back in the day when it was, you know, so I think it was kind of something on on that level. Yeah, so a little busting, but honestly, they were probably, like, hoping for karma a little bit, right? I didn't think, that, it didn't seem ill intent to me. Like, they were having fun, right. but it didn't seem like they yeah. were doing it to embarrass him intentionally. Like, they maybe knew he would be a little embarrassed, but they honestly probably thought that she looked good. I mean, that was the 80s stuff, right? The glasses came off because remember that—that's the trope. You got the chick and like the, the ponytail comes down, <laughs> the glass, and uh, you know that whole thing just felt like definitely a straight '80s '90s callback, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that was a cool bit, and again, we get the throwing of the silverware. It's not a fork, but Donna throws a spoon. I mean, which is better than the shoe, right? I mean, who throws a shoe? Seriously. Who throws a shoe? All right. <laughs> we do make more Austin Powers callbacks than I would ever think, really, considering I have not rewatched those movies in forever. Uh, maybe yeah. the pair will get Mike Myers next season. There, there'll be a that'll be a flux. Bring bring Mike maybe. Myers back and Dana Carvey. Bring them both back. I love a Wayne's World re. Well, uh, yeah, well dude, if they, I mean in Chicago, right? If anybody could get like old Wayne and Garth to show up, Illinois, yeah, yeah, Wayne and Garth, dude, you might be onto something here, man. They did, they did the Super Bowl commercial last year, didn't they? Yeah, they can, <laughs> I mean, they don't, you know, just, you don't, they don't even, you don't even have to say their names if it's a copyright thing. They can just show up to eat one night or something. Right. Yeah, right yeah. on, man. Party on, man. Richie <laughs> gives them a little swing or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> diddly do, diddly do, diddly do. Next up, Richie brings Tiffany the sprite that Car made for her, and uh, it's pretty whoa. Then we spend a few minutes with them. They recently looked at a new place to live, but Richie's worried about how expensive it is. They talk about hoping that their new daughter will like them, and they say that they love each other very much. And I just have to say right up front, I'm a huge Jillian Jacobs fan. I've loved her ever since she was bred on Community. She is great, and I think she's just awesome here. And honestly, this softened Richie up a lot, right? Like, no spoilers going forward, but this definitely humanized Richie in a way that maybe he, you know what I mean? He was kind of the comic relief a little bit more, and I think this really added some nice depth to his character that they capitalize on in the back half of the season. Yeah, agreed. It did explain a little bit more, show a little bit more of that side of him. Um, I do think this particular scene was drawn out a little bit long. It moved very slowly, and it was like, all right, come on, like, I was kind of just waiting for the scene to be over. I get it because it was important and everything else. And uh, but it but it was one of those where I think it stretched just a little too much. Yeah, I mean the the real point here is just to set up that Richie really did genuinely love his wife. He cares about right. his daughter. You know, it, it it you are in a thing that's sixty six minutes long. 
this is probably the only scene where I can see like maybe you could cut it a touch, but I love both actors so much that it's fine. And shout out the sack decoration here. All the random, like what's that a, a cheetah, a, a leopard, or a panther? Uh, you know what, man? I, I don't know, but I almost want to say I almost want to say I agree and say it's a leopard. I was gonna just say neither. It's like some composite, someone drew it like off a of memory without looking at one or the other, so it has features of all three. I like that. A fucking hybrid, man. Or you know what I mean, but somebody it probably wasn't that expensive, right? So you're getting someone who like did it off a picture or just you know an idea or something like that, or copying another one. So it's not quite perfect. And you know, this did definitely it makes it hurt more now when you know Richie talks about his ex and everything. If I go back and watch season one, this will yeah. make that hurt a little bit more and make Richie seem you know, maybe just like in the first season, sometimes he comes up not as an idiot, but he, like he's selling drugs, he's a little bit, you know, and this makes it make a little bit more sense why he needed to make that money and why he was doing what he had to do and everything. Yeah, of course, dude. And like, you know, like anything like that, I mean, most of the time it's going to start out with good intentions and especially for, you know, those types of people that go into it like that. And he was definitely into it like that. And I believe, you know, I'm pretty sure she was too. I wanted, like, obviously now everybody, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one wants to know what actually happens. So, you know, maybe I'm we'll thinking get... that season, I think that's the season three flashback. Uh, Either it, that it, or they have to go further back so we get their dad. I think it's one of the two, kind of. Yeah. Depending on what way they what way they play I don't it know out. That we need a, yeah, I don't know that we need a whole episode to explain what happened between the two of them, but I think I think it gets trickled in there. I'd be and, good with dude, like just a Richie flashback where you start with him at like five and just bring him up to like now, kind of. Or you, if they really can cast good actors in it, I'd be there for it. Yeah, like how is he so close with uh yeah, like why is he? Yeah, like feel like family and everything, like bring it all the way back or something. That could be really cool. And they did have just one little nice touch with Claire here because uh, Richie tells him about them trying to hook Karma up. And Tiffany's like, why would you do that? She's so nice. You know, to set up the idea that Claire is genuinely right. like someone people like. They're not just messing with him or whatever. She is like somebody like yeah. genuinely like, oh, like comparatively, Karma is the bad one. I mean, I don't know if I call him bad one, but yeah. Well, if you have to be a binary choice where there's good and bad, yeah. But whatever, Claire's one of the good ones. I guess is probably the way to say it. And you know, whenever you need to soup, just puke all the anger up. When you're mad, just just puke it all out of there. That's the way to do it. That works sometimes. Yeah, then you just eventually forget what you're mad about. <laughs> Back down in the kitchen, Lee is helping Donna clean up his spill when he brings up a real estate opportunity. Mikey walks in to get a beer, and he asks Lee if they're really doing this again. Richie's then back downstairs, and he asks Uncle Jimmy for a job. He feels like he's wasting his potential at the beef, and he wants something better now that he's got a child on the way. Richie asks Jimmy if he'll think about it, and Jimmy says, maybe. And obviously, this is going to come up back again here. Uh, let's start with the, uh, the Richie and uh, Uncle Jimmy part. Any other thoughts there? I mean... Again, they won't really just say what Uncle Jimmy is, right? Like, he seems like a no, mom guy, but more of like a connected guy, kind of. Like, they're definitely purposely not saying it exactly, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like that. I like I like the suspense, the suspense there, because I, I feel like eventually that's going to fall into play. And and that will be revealed, you know, at least to some degree. But uh, but I, but I thought that scene was cool. It was a great scene between the two of them, because obviously the history between the two of them is... uh it's a lot, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's shaky, but I think there's a lot of love there, you know? So, uh, so I like, I like any interactions the two of them have 
just to kind of gather more information about you know like what their what their deal is man and i do think that i do think that it well nah, we'll get to that you know a couple little and small points here is richie does kind of mention that he's good with people and we're hear that come up again when people try like what's richie good at that kind of maybe becomes this thing maybe he could be a people person and i think the idea that he wanted out you know five years ago it kind of explains his attitude you know in when he's still stuck there in season one, why he's selling drugs and everything like that. Like he really wanted to do something else. And the exact way he refers to uncle Jimmy is uh, you're um, someone with a lot going on. You know, that's about right. as uh, you know, neutral as you can keep it kind of. It definitely leaves it open to where, yeah, this guy's probably not a hundred percent legal, you know, with, with his businesses and whatnot. But maybe he is again. Right, he seems know. to have enough legality, but you know, you, you get the yeah. impression of I'm trying to think. Like, uh, but he's a dude with like he's got he's he knows like the boy like, Hash like in in the, the Sopranos. Maybe I'm trying to think of a more like secondary dude who like you know had a finger in the pie, but wasn't like really in the game all the way or something like that. Yeah, not so much a Polly Walnut. Yeah, right. Not yeah, not someone who's just in the, like in the muck on the day to day. I mean, what do you think about? He's got legal? a lot of fucking money, so that's the thing. Right, that, and legit and legal money, dude. He's got legal money enough to do this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like on paper money to do this. Like he has to feel pretty confident he can buy this. You know, invest in this business and then sell this. You know, lot and everything and do it legally. You got to be pretty clean. And he's got resources, and uh, you know, um, yeah, he knows enough so people to get, you know help get some. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy you would probably want. <laughs> yeah, and I would be very happy if I could call him uncle. And honestly, I'd be very happy if I could just kind of all reply to come over and hang out. Seems like a cool dude. Shout out executive decision. Remember he was the dude with the toothpick and everything? Executive decision. Yes, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that one, but yeah, it's a vague memory there. Yeah, it's because I thought they diffused the bomb at the end. Spoilers for executive decision. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how about a league? Like, you know, we get the intro here. In, they never exactly say what the relationship between Don and Lee is. I'm assuming like they're just kind of together. Uh, you get that idea, but for how long? I mean, you know, the interaction yeah, early know, with Stephen makes it seem like Lee's been doing this for years. You know what I mean? It makes I feel like they've been doing this for at least five years together. It, I, I just don't, you know, the show just kind of dances around it again. Like we don't have any idea. Like there's some anim animosity between Lee and Mikey. We don't know what it is. And like we saw in the first episode, Lee's name is on the agreement that Mikey had to borrow the money. So Lee is still involved in all this somehow. Hmm. So, I mean, it, it's hard to tell because you could guess whatever because they don't tell you. But there's definitely a history. Be Like, why is he there? You know, so that alone is history enough. But then there's also definitely a connection between Lee and Donna. You can tell with the you know and you didn't recognize that until the freaking uh until the cleanup you know or whatever yeah and it was made gonna... yeah there you thought maybe before but there it became pretty obvious like okay like he yeah. lives there probably they're together i don't think married that's kind of what i assume but you know who knows maybe they are but i didn't get that impression and you get the idea that him and mikey have, have gone through the shit a little bit Right. Like, oh yeah. yeah this yeah, isn't their first, this isn't like all of a sudden they had a problem recently. Right. Oh yeah. They yeah, they've they've definitely had uh beefs here and there, I'm sure, in the in previous uh whatever the fucks. But uh I, I was hoping for Bob Odenkirk to have a likable character. And I wouldn't say he's not yeah, he kinda is 
he's kind of a dick you're like even right away he's kind of a dick you know carrying a dutch oven around and shit and then he just like in this one he just seems like a kind of abrasive asshole you know like i don't know not a fan really yeah i think deliberately really i mean that's what they're going for here i think he he does right, it yeah. really well but yeah you'll oh, get yeah, the idea when we get line. there <laughs> right like that mikey's talking with him and he's probably you don't know how you know he obviously has enough of a relationship with uncle jimmy that they're on that paper together that we see in the, the season premiere you know he might be a connected guy too you know of course mikey's one dude who wouldn't give yeah. a shit but you kind of wonder too how all this is you know where's the money how this is running everyone's worried about stuff so i think there's more to come man i think we're going to see bob and kirk pop up again one way or the other you're probably yeah you're probably right about that i i'd be fine with that i would like to see that because like anything more i can gather as far as like you know yeah, whether it's another flashback episode in season three or he shows up in the future or something, I think. Right. You know, it could be season two, season four, whatever, but it could happen. And, you know, I just love Bob Odenkirk, so. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Bob Yeah, Odenkirk. he's on the list of if he's in it, I'll watch it pretty much at this point. I watched Nobody Was Great. Uh, the Lucky Hank on AMC was fun. Yeah, I feel bad. I watched a lot of his like recent shit, man. I I like his old stuff. I love. I love. You know, I'm a big fan yeah, of Mr. Mr. Show. show. Um, he run around, he run, and you know, I mean, I whatever. You know, I like the older stuff, but that's where kind of they got their start. He got his start anyway, and then yeah, now he's doing shit like this, which is fucking great. Good way to go. I mean, originally he started out and it was like, damn, double, double damn, <laughs> greatest love in history. Yeah. And next, it, maybe it's the greatest love in history, maybe not, but we see the Fax smoking a joint with Cousin Michelle. They comment on some past beef between the Fax sister Francine and Natalie. Michelle talks about how much she loves living in New York, and they all agree that Donna is going to do something crazy before the night is over. Back in the kitchen, Donna's working on the lobster, and Carmen's helping. Natalie offers to help, and we finally get an explanation for her nickname, Sugar. Honestly, she just mistook sugar for salt one time. I mean, that could happen to any of us, seriously. Then we check back in with the facts, who unsuccessfully pitched their baseball card opportunity to Steve, but he is, however, willing to pay them $500 just to see where it goes. And we didn't even shout out Teddy at the beginning when they were trying to pitch this to uh, to cousin Jimmy, and uh, he tries to slap him in the face. Like, who is that a business slap? Has him hold his drink. Hey, hold this for a minute so I can slap you. And he does it. Dude. Business slap, dude. That's the t-shirt <laughs> yeah. right there, the business slap t-shirt. But dude, slap. the facts are so good, aren't they? They're great. They're great. I mean, I, I'm a Maddie Matheson fan anyway, and I loved him in the first season, his character, and, and he's just better and better every fucking episode, man. He, he seems that guy, that he would be everyone's best friend, basically. That he's that guy. You know that guy. Like, he gets invited to, to a wedding guy? every weekend. Like, that dude just knows everybody, and everybody he knows loves him. I mean, I would definitely hang out with that dude, drink beers, and smoke a joint with that guy, man, and probably have a great fucking time. Oh, dude, just you get that idea that Steve's, right? He's just basically like, dude, I really care. Like, I like whatever baseball cards, but I just really want to give you the $500 if you just keep me posted on the story because I'm just so interested in just, like, whatever y'all are doing is fun for me. Oh, every really week. About it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. And and I'm almost positive that the, the facts dad is Big Neil. That, that sounds like that would be the, the name of the facts dad, right? Definitely sounds fucking pretty, yeah, pretty confident that would be a good name. 
And, and if I'm not mistaken, they're they're smoking a joint and then just randomly spraying like perfume or cologne to cover it up, right? I think that's what it looked like. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what's going on there. That's it's. I didn't. Maybe it's in Donna's bedroom. I don't. I thought Tiffany was still there. It looks like it's in a bedroom or something, but I don't know whether it's perfume. Natalie's bedroom, maybe. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be one of. Well, maybe any random guest bathroom. But you, do do people keep perfumes in the guest bathrooms? I don't know. I mean, that might be a thing. For freeze or something. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever, man. <laughs> And the other just little stupid part when the when Stephen tells the, the facts like his dad threw away a Roberto Clemente card or something, they're like, Oh, it'll be worth 125 and he's like, 125000 dollars I'm like, no, $125. Stupidest thing he ever did, man. <laughs> that whole bit. I mean, this isn't something that really does a lot for the plot of the kind of setting up cousin Michelle in that she lives in New York and then maybe the idea that Don is going to do something crazy and we all understand that and just I mean other than that it's just kind of you know character building but it's so much fun right like I would hang out with basically any of these characters in all the different combinations of them too oh for sure yeah 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 and then just kind of Donna in the kitchen just like just being like just super intense about everything right it's just trying to get everyone like why are you in here what do you do you know just kind of just so passive aggressive right and even jimmy's like that like when he's like is this your passive you know aggressive way of asking me to leave you get the idea like she wants help but she doesn't want anyone to ask her if she wants help yeah that's the whole thing right like she she's not good but she doesn't want anybody to ask are you okay she wants help but when someone asks for help she yells at them you know it's just yeah she doesn't know how to explain what help she needs either you know like right she basically is like all right this guy's a great chef fix the forks but see this was yeah yeah but see this was also very similar and related to to kitchen where i can see why carm is the way he is and took this path in life you know because of even even the way she in her own kitchen it's almost like that. In, it, it's it's that high fucking intensity of like a busy fucking kitchen almost. Like if she's trying to do a million fucking things, all the very, timers, got the fucking timers going off, got fucking sauce splattered fucking everywhere, dude. Everything's fucked up. The sauce on the fucking seat. Before right? we, at the beginning of the episode, the sauce the sauce is all over the microwave, yeah. the, the oven, the the hood, everything's covered. <laughs> right before we even really get into it. Right, right. You know, and then it's okay. Well. You know, she's trying to explain to, to Carm at one point. It's like, okay, in this much time, this has to happen. We have to take this out and put that back in. And then he's like, oh, so we have to free up a rack, you know, trying to break it down. And then she's like, like 20 more things. And after the other time, it goes off and says this. And so, dude, it's like that sometimes. But that's like, you know, it shouldn't be like that in your kitchen at your house. The way she acts here just reminds me of how Carm acted in season one. She's acting like she's in a fucking very fucking hectic, understaffed fucking kitchen trying to do dinner service. Yeah, and it also makes sense why Carmen would put up, like we saw the, the scenes with Joel McHale in, in season one, like the flashbacks with Carmen. It makes sense why he would put up with that, right? Because he'd already kind of done it for so long. What's a little bit more? Yeah. You know, now there might actually be a reward at the end. Here he's just doing it just to, that's because that's his mom. Right, right. And before we move on, if, if you really added a cup of sugar instead of a cup of salt to like some marinara, is that really going to make it taste like a Hawaiian punch? No, um, it won't not. be good, but you could balance it out, right? Don't you put a potato in or something like that? Then I don't know if that actually works, man. Um, it's from Archer, so they, I'm gonna trust they, it they, works. They, they put the, I've heard about the potato taken to you know for salt, that's yeah, that's for salt, really. It wouldn't help with the yeah, sugar instead of 
No, I think it was she put the salt in the gravy instead of the or the sugar in the gravy instead of salt. So I guess gravy would be marinara sauce in, in that household though, right? Yeah, I'm assuming. When they just refer to gravy, that's what I'm I'm just assuming. Right. It's just yeah, a base tomato or some sort of tomato based, whether it's a meat sauce or, or you know, whatever. You could probably fix that because most fucking tomato sauces have a bit of sugar in them anyway, man. You know? Yeah, yeah, at least brown sugar, yeah, a little yeah, bit at least. Have, you almost have to put some sugar in it if you're making Yeah, it's going to be too acidic, right? Otherwise, you got to balance your, your whatnot. Yeah, not, sugar. not that much, but I mean, you could probably fix it. You could probably fix it with some herbs and salt and shit. I would try to fuck with it. You know? Yeah, I've definitely made, uh, I've made Sunday sauce with like a little bit of like a tablespoon of brown sugar or something like that before. I feel like it's definitely gotten thrown in there. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and there's another thing. I think I think most people can really relate to this episode, whether even whether or not you even like this fucking show. Like this episode is really could be just a fucking standalone fucking joint. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. That's actually how a Christmas holiday works with family. Like this is one of the most realistic Christmas movies you'll ever see. Yeah, I mean, everybody's family's crazy. Maybe maybe they might not be like that, but you know, there's all <laughs> Well really can... everyone seems pretty normal except Donna, right? And Mikey a little bit. Lee maybe a touch, but everyone else seems like, you know what I mean? Pretty right. cool. It yeah. just takes that combination of those three to really set it off. Yeah. If any yeah. one of them weren't there, I think it would have been fine. And th- yeah, and there's other things like just like, hey man, I haven't seen you since last year, kind of shit. Like some of these relatives, you know, sometimes you see a family member. That you see like maybe once a year or whatever and then yeah, it's like, sometimes it's great sometimes it's, it's awkward or not so great yeah so it did a good job at like you know portraying that too yeah 100 next up carm heads to the pantry to get saltines and he finds mikey waiting for him mikey asks carm what's wrong and carm admits that he wanted to work with mikey and talk about the shop while he was in town mikey says that it's a disaster and he's trying to help him by keeping him out of it Carm's still upset about the Claire thing, and he accuses Mikey of not giving a fuck, which Mikey takes kind of personally. Mikey says, like, he gives the biggest fuck, and Carm seems to accept that. Carm gives Mikey a present, a sketch of the bear, which we've seen before. Mikey loves it, and Carm pushes him about opening a place together. Mikey seems into it, and then Donna calls Carm back for the saltines. Mikey is on the verge of tears, and he slaps himself a couple times, trying to hold it together. I mean, dude, John Barenthal, right? Just He's good, man. I mean, he's great in this fight. I mean, think about it. This is a dude who played the Punisher, too. You know what I mean? He's played a variety of roles in his career, and he's really got that range, man. Like, you feel for Mikey here. Yeah. He's so good. Like even <laughs> even in the small, like yeah, this is one thing I really enjoyed about the way he looks at that sketch, dude. And you just see him kind of like just swallow a little bit and just you know what I mean, just like trying like you could see him trying not to break in front of Carm. Right. And I'm pretty sure this is what pushes him to do some more drugs, and then which is why he starts eventually throwing the forks at the end, if I had to take a guess. It definitely falls chronologically in order. Like, right, right, you know what I mean? That would push him over the edge just a little, like, he's just and so... I think, and I think Richie knows it, because when he comes down, in, like, a following scene, he comes down, he's got the blanket over his head and shit, and Richie, that look, and he, know, and like, he kind of... Yeah, like, Richie oh. would know, yep. I mean, this was just... But my, Michael has presence, dude. Like like I said, like, I even enjoyed the scenes he was in 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 the first season which was very very small you know and and again was, telling the story again though right he definitely seems like that dude end. yeah it opens with the telling the big story tell the, fucking story tell the fucking story dude yeah man he just has that presence dude you know i mean great storyteller is like a great band though they can tell the same story over and over again and it's still entertaining i feel yeah 
Sure. I mean, that's the point. That's part of the skill set, right? I mean, otherwise, no one has that many stories. You got to be able to retell the one and, and make it good. I mean, that's a lot of, I mean, writing in television shows, they say there's only like eight different narratives or whatever, and it's just kind of remixing them all at the end of the day. There's only so many things you can do, you know, unless you're, at, you know, at John dies at the end or something. Well, you know, same with anything, any art. There's only so many colors, any food. There's only so much fucking shit you can eat. There's a lot, actually. But, you know, there's, <laughs> I mean, fucking, there's always something different you can do with what you have, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's definitely just some nice uh, small touches here. The whole time they're talking, you hear timers subtly going off in the background and Donnie yelling yeah. to give you the idea, like, all the kitchen stuff is still going on. And I think a lot of the problems Carm seems to have are coming from the idea that he thinks Mikey doesn't want him around. Whereas you get the idea, I think here that Mikey genuinely thinks he's doing the best thing for Carm by keeping him away. Am I right? Am I reading that the same way you are? Or give it yeah, a take I, on I, that? Yeah, I 100% agree with that one, man. Um, Little brother, I, big brother, right? Like Carm yeah. wants nothing more than his big brother to want him around, and the big brother is trying to protect him because he knows he's a goddamn train wreck. Right. Yeah. He I won't admit it. Like Lee's not allowed to tell him that, but he, Mikey knows it deep down, which is why he's trying to save Carm from it. I mean, that's at least the the way I'm taking it. And that's wh why you yeah. see those tears because he would love nothing more than to, to do a restaurant with Carm, but he's worried it would ruin Carm because he'd screw it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that being one of the reasons, or probably one of the bigger reasons, you know, that and, uh, I think he, he like he sees the potential that Carm has, and he wants him to like you know excel in life and and you know go right. He's he got out right like he like a lot of opportunities and shit, you know. So, and I also thought it was really cool when uh, Mikey has makes Carm tell him three things about Copenhagen, and Carm says it's the most beautiful place that he's ever seen. He slept on a boat and he fed an invisible cat. So you get the idea that he did what Marcus did, right? They kind of no, did that exact yeah. same thing, which makes me feel like he's the other chef, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I, they I came in and he was Marcus, and that's kind of how that worked out with Chef Luca down there. If I had to guess, that's that's what it seemed like, anyways. Or I thought that's what they were implying. I'm pretty sure if it isn't, then uh... or close, maybe they were. Maybe it wasn't that exact job, but they were in the same class together. Or the, you know, they came in at the same time or something like that. But you get the idea that Carm definitely right. slept on that boat and fed that cat, right? The invisible yeah, cat. Absolutely. That's the whole. That's too exact to not be a, a callback to that. I think. Yeah, I think it's pretty much. I pretty much. I'm thinking he did the exact same fucking thing, really. You know. Yeah, and, and that's Carm. how he learned at least that part of it or whatever. Because yeah. it, while he's not like a pastry guy, he seems to know it. Yeah. You know, yeah enough well, that he had notes, right? Like originally, he gave Marcus yeah. his notes, I think, to get him started. So. Yeah. Which is great writing, really incredible writing the show season is, so is the season is so cohesive that's one of the most impressive parts just how well it just flows it does I mean, it flows like a coursed out fucking meal yeah it's the only reason i forgive it for releasing all the episodes at once because they flow so goddamn well otherwise i would i mean yeah. i still want you to do weekly releases just so we'd have more time to talk about this and these wouldn't be coming out so late because there's so many things going on right now I know. I think the general consensus is that, you know, most people want this next year to not be. Fucking I think it will. Hulu's actually uh, done a couple of their major releases now week to week. So I think they're trending back to that. My guess is if they, you know, you do eight, they maybe drop three and then 
do a weekly release for the five weeks after that or something like that. Yeah, kind of like the, the first two, three, yeah, the, the boys model basically that Amazon is used. I'd almost bet money it's either eight or ten, and they do something like that. They drop like two to four right out the gate, and then space about a week at a time after that or something like that. Yeah, I would I would like that a lot better, and particularly for this season, that would have been cool. But we'll never, you know. We'll yeah, never this know episode needed stuff. a week. Like they could have like taken the, this should have been one they should have dropped like before the fourth of July or something or a holiday and, then, and yeah, like then, given it an extra week off, to right? breathe <laughs> yeah. because this was I mean this did not get this would have been water cooler you know this episode is I mean so if they good. really wanted to do it it would have been nice to plan it out and have this release to where it felt like the week before Christmas and then they take oh a week yeah and imagine if they had just somehow dropped this as a Christmas special though because they could have if they I wanted to it yeah. doesn't connect. We they could have just done nine episodes and just left this mysterious hanging episode and just dropped it without warning anyone on Christmas Eve or something. <laughs> yeah, they could it would have been wild. It would, the only thing I could think of is when Rick and Morty had been off the air for like three plus years and they randomly dropped an episode on April Fool's Day and no one would believe like because it came up online. Everyone's like, Oh, dude, all right, so you're trolling me. Adult Swim, yeah. like, nope, that was the joke. They actually just dropped the episode. No warning on April Fool's Day. Like, just dropping this on Christmas would have been a baller move. But honestly, this show seems so self-assured and confident. I, I could believe they would do something like that. Dude, South Park got away with that with an April Fool's joint, too, except they just didn't do an episode. <laughs> Fuckers. Well, when you have that much money, when you can drop, like, a, I don't know, a 50 million to Casa Bonita or whatever, you can do whatever you want. Carm brings down to the saltines. And when he returns to the pantry, Mikey is gone. Richie, Michelle, Stevie, and the facts have gathered in the living room, and Michelle is telling a story sort of related to bears. Lee walks in and assumes that they're talking about the Chicago Bears. After hearing commotion from the kitchen, Stevie goes to help, despite everybody else advising him not to do it. Donna's having a bit of a breakdown in the kitchen, and she's taking it out on Natalie. When Stevie shows up to help, Donna tells him to get the fuck out, which he does. Natalie leaves to take out the trash, and she encounters Stevie. He asks if she's okay, and she asks him for a hug, and he obliges. Back in the kitchen, Donna continues to stress, commenting that nobody would miss her if she was gone. I guess one thing I do want to point out is Cousin Michelle's fun, right? Like, I really would like her to show up again. I like her energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's She was definitely a very good character, and... uh Seem to be one of the more well-rounded, you know, level-headed characters, uh, you know, out of the uh, out of the group there. Um, I mean, I'm kind of assuming responsible for Carm's like success in New York, right? Like getting yeah. him there and then like giving him confidence and a safe, you know, area to operate and everything. I'm pretty sure how that. I'm pretty sure that's how that's going to play out. But uh, you know, there there is a discussion coming up between the two of them where uh, you know it makes a lot of sense that that's how he ends up in New York. You know. Yeah, there's just so many little fun things about this scene. Like the bit at the beginning where Richie's like filming the facts. I don't know, like, were they trying to, what was it back in the day? They were doing some kind of dance or I don't know what they were doing, but. It was, it, I'm sure it was probably some kind of TikTok fucking something or whatever the fuck maybe. Or maybe they're just doing it for fun. Who knows? It was one of those Irish songs, though, man. Because I remember it from like the St. Patrick's Day playlist and shit. So it's one of those. And uh, yeah, they were getting it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, my music note in this scene is Dominic the Donkey by Lou Monte. I don't know if that was it or not. It, it might have been. Uh, I just like again, Richie, this one, he's killing it. When he says a brazado, he's like, brazado. Oh. Oh. You gotta like the little oh. 
And then just the bit when Stevie's gonna go help Don, and everyone's like, "No, don't do it." Someone's like, uh, "Like, you know, he gives him, gar- you know, give you garlic and a cross or whatever." Uh, I thought that whole bit was just, you know, pretty funny. If you really want to go in, man. <laughs> oh, just the, the bit where you just hear in the background, Don, it's fuck. You hear it in the kitchen. And Stevie's like, "What the hell was that?" And he's like, "Just some crazy person yelling fuck." Right. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the that's probably the most used uh, word that she has, honestly, and and she says a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that's definitely your favorite. I mean, they they do set up the ending, I think, a little bit here with the idea that she feels that nobody cares about her. I mean, do you think there's anything else anyone really could have done? It, it seems no. everyone's trying to help her out, right? No one even wants yeah. her to do all the seven fishes. I mean, how do you? How do you help her? I feel so bad. Yeah, I don't think it's a situation where anybody can really help, man. Um, she's not looking for help. Like helping seems to make it worse almost. And you know, what do you do? It's it, I think it's very I think real. That's... Yeah, it is, man. It's like you're torn. Like, do I do I try to help or or do I just leave it? You know, and you can see that a lot of the people there are just leaving it the fuck alone. And the ones that do try to help kind of feel the wrath, man. They're either getting screamed at, told the fuck off, everything else. Or, or just uh, dealing with some other kind of ridiculous fucking, you know, drama or conversation that, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't ever want to hear somebody say, hey, man, you know, nobody gives a fuck about me. I'm going to go get the gun and fucking blow my head off. You know, I mean, you don't want to hear people say that shit, you know, and then, you know, that's something that, but, but that also explains a lot about the mental stability and shit with this family, man. So, yeah, I mean, this really makes the ending work in the extent that you'll believe it. Like, she's come this far to the point where she just kind of, like, you believe she could just have a break like this. That she's on the front yeah. right here. And, and with the, you know, it kind of being built up, everybody kind of realizes that she's going to fucking flip out. Like what she's going to do, we don't know, but she's going to fucking flip out. <laughs> and I guess my final note before I move on is something that Donna says. Uh, to do everything no, no, no. for everyone no one fucking lifts a finger i think that's what it would say on the uh, the brazado family crest right it does seem like they all always do feel that way whether or not they are actually doing all the work they do always feel that they are yeah that definitely makes sense you know um going back to the going back to the alcohol situation here i think a lot of it is having to do with uh you know donna is obviously a severe alcoholic and not one of those fun alcoholics you know yeah, she's hitting the wine pretty hard, and like she's got the glass you can see that's and, uh, uh, been through some battles. Yeah, absolutely, and you can tell that. I think that's a major concern of fucking uh, Natalie's too, man. I, I'm pretty sure I see her pouring the fucking yeah, liquor. The vodka, right? yeah, that's hardcore. If you're just drinking straight vodka, or even just you know, it's a point where you're just dumping liquor into just shit to hide it. That's uh, you get the idea now why Tom doesn't drink, right? Yeah. You kind of go one way or the other if you're in one of those families, right? You either go that way or you do nothing. Like, you don't generally become, like, a social drinker. Or if you do, it's very rare. Kind of, you know, not that you don't have to. It's just like, nah, I've seen that and I don't like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because most everyone else in the kitchen seems to be down to it. Although, you know, I guess we don't see This is a one of the lesser hard-partying kitchens, I would say, I've, I've seen depicted for what it's worth. Yeah, we haven't really seen that side of it at all, really. Um yeah, Tina went to karaoke, but that's about it. She did a little shot, yeah. but you know they're not like having a beer after work or anything that often. 
Yeah, most places most places do have you know have some drinks after work and stuff. And uh yeah, you gotta decompress. I mean, otherwise you're gonna go yeah, home and kill somebody. It's important. <laughs> <you know? laughs> if you worked in retail, that's what's common, basically. I feel like you just have to otherwise you're gonna take it out of people you don't mean to because you've been suppressing it all day, kind of. Or just everything hits you because you haven't had time to think about anything for four hours and then Reality kind of comes. That, that after drink is definitely very, very critical sometimes, man. But if drinking is not your thing, then you know you got. I, I would think it would be something. Go do fucking yoga or smoke a joint or anything else. You know, yeah, <laughs> something, something to kind of like you know. It, it takes a minute to get out of that once you've been doing it all day. And you, you know, shifts aren't short, dude. It's not like we're working fucking six to eight hour shifts. It's fucking twelve to sixteen or something like that usually. You know, so it's it, it's a long day, man. It's a lot of emotions up and down and you know high intensity and stress man you know yeah it's like a perfect setup for uh, the quote the quote kind of exchange between uh, cousin michelle and stevie hello i am not the asshole she's the asshole that is a fact and you go around rolling ass that is also a fact okay i'm caught up cousin michelle was just just very cool i feel yeah yeah cool person um well-played character and uh, what was, I forget what was the response there, the final response. Uh, that was another thing that uh, Stevie was just like one of his great fucking one-liners, man. Um, yeah, John Bellotti was on here. And again, I've never been a huge, I don't mind him. I think he's a good writer. I've never been a huge fan of his stand-up or his, uh, I didn't really watch his uh, show when it was on or anything, but he's great here. Yeah, damn it. I wish I could remember what it was he actually said there, man, because it was like perfect to that route. Like, you go around rolling assholes. Yes, I do. And then he said something. You know, <laughs> Michelle says yeah. that's that is also a fact. I don't know what he says after that. Listen He's got to, to my story. To know her so well, this story. Is yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. The point is, yeah, he said something great, and it was just like perfect way to end the conversation. You know, cool. We're done with that. <laughs> but damn it, um, maybe we can find that uh, quote. Put it there. But I think the producer can probably handle that. And just to shout out the idea of the. I, uh, Richie and the facts arguing about how they're each family, you know, because they're none of them are blood family. Like, how are you related to them again? Through friendship, like us, not like you, not like you. Yeah, see, th- these are things I want to know too, man. I kind of want some of these, like, yeah, see, I, I think there's you, you could do another flashback. Too. I think, despite all this, I especially, think there's definitely, especially with Ri- yeah, especially with Richie and, and Uncle Jimmy. And I'd be down for a, a, a fact it. family episode, dude. Just give me an episode of the facts. I'm there for I it. Would the, take that. Dude, the yeah. facts of life. How can you not make an episode <laughs> called the facts of life? Um, yeah, man, I think you're definitely I, 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 that's a spinoff. I mean, I think the that I think there's some rich soil to mine there. That's all I'm saying. How many fucking facts are there anyway, man? There's a fucking lot of fucking facts, dude. A lot of fucking facts, dude. <laughs> it's the facts of life, dude. The facts of life. Take him down, he pass him around. I don't remember the song, but it, it was good back in the day. Dude, I love it. I think we need I think we need to go right to fucking Hulu and if, if nothing else, super shirt. solid t-shirt. You just do like a yeah. facts of life thing with the facts of life. I love that they're both wearing the same exact fucking thing too. Yeah, they're great, dude. Teddy and yeah, they're they're great. Dude. Just have those guys on there with like a baseball card. That's a t-shirt. Boom, facts of life. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely putting we're yeah, facts going on the the Roberto Clemente card. <laughs> I have that, but I have that much Photoshop Photoshop skills. We can do that. Nice. <laughs> we come back from a bit of a break, and Mikey is telling a story to Richie and the others. Lee sits and listens quietly for a bit, and then comments that they've all heard the story a million times before. Michelle comments that she hasn't, and everybody else says they like the story anyway. 
Lee finishes the story abruptly, which pisses off Mikey. Lee and Mikey start to argue when Jimmy walks in, followed by Pete. Unfortunately for Pete, nobody appreciates that he brought tuna casserole, because that would give them eight fishes, not seven. Sugar greets him and then yells at him because she told him not to bring anything, and she throws the tuna casserole in the trash outside. Pete tries to make some small talk, but nobody else seems interested. In the other room, Michelle approaches Carm and asks if he'd be interested in staying with her for a couple of days in New York. She's got a couple of restaurants, and she thinks it would do him a lot of good, and Carm tells her that he'll try to come stay with her. Michelle had more money than we think? Like, the way she says she has a couple of restaurants, does she... I mean, I mean, she said yeah, it very confidently, more so in a way than someone who just, like, services those restaurants or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it casually, that casually, you're like, oh, I have a couple of restaurants. You got to wonder, like, well, you, you obviously have something else, too, if you don't give that much of a fuck. I mean, maybe if somebody's invested, like, she had, she died, someone left her 300K and she invested, you know, 50K in six restaurants or something. I don't know. I mean, right. that buy you, like, en enough to maybe get someone a job interview. Or you could, like, be super rich and own three restaurants. There's a big range of, of possibilities, I guess. Yeah, I think I think we'll learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, I would I, hope to. I don't see why they wouldn't, because we all know that he was in New York. We know now that this is probably the link to why he ended up there, and uh, and I do think this is probably a story that'll fucking that we'll see a little bit more of. Yeah, I would like to. In how about the bit kind of between Mikey and Lee? Like, there has to be something deeper, right? Because you see Lee sitting there, and Odenkirk's so great in this. Just you can see him, just the tension building up. And honestly, it's the same thing Mikey does when he's at the table later, just right. quietly, just steaming. And honestly, the story sounded pretty interesting to me. I mean, what was uh, what was the that. ending? I mean, uh, you sold the car, and then in the end, you find the horse. I kind of want to hear the rest of that story. I want to hear Mikey tell that story, man. Yeah, it's bullshit, dude. Um, that was just a major dick move, dude. I mean, I don't care who you are. That was a fucking dick move, man. Especially after everyone else has said, you had someone say, I haven't heard it. And then multiple other people be like, oh yeah, but it's a good story. Like, right. you know, that basically says I'd like to hear it again. I think that just sets up the idea that Lee does have some sort of power or authority or whatever that he's not going to sit there and take that. I mean, that's the impression I get at least, that he's not just like, he's somebody of at least some kind of stature yeah i would yeah yeah i'd probably agree with that i mean dude like mikey looks at it crazy right he knows he's on drugs he's throwing forks at him and he's still willing to stand up to him right that takes a certain level of balls if nothing else yeah it definitely does definitely does i mean he's he's not a he's not a fucking i'm gonna back down kind of guy i mean definitely get an impression like i said kind of abrasive kind of an asshole but it's like he'll stand back and he'll back his shit up you know so yeah probably just you know fine if you don't rub them the wrong way but yeah and just the idea like you even see that when uh, p comes in he's like merry christmas cries and, and lee's like yeah maybe somewhere a little bit of a bah humbug definitely a definitely a little humbug dude yeah he had a little humbug up his uh bum fog there he did <laughs> finally everybody's about to sit down at the table for dinner things get a bit awkward when Tiffany thanks Jimmy for giving Richie a job that Jimmy never actually promised to give him. It seems like Richie is going to be in a world of trouble, but Jimmy bails him out by saying that he did give Richie a job. Richie just wasn't supposed to tell anybody about it. Finally, everybody is at the table except Donna, and Karen goes to the kitchen to check on her. She's quietly crying, 
And she tells Carmen that she can't do this by herself anymore. She doesn't think that anybody cares about her, and she's upset that she had to beg Carmen to come home. Carmen assures her that he's happy to be there, and that everybody appreciates all of the work that she's put in. Carmen tries to bring her to the table, but she refuses. She insists that Carmen needs to go back to the table, and she'll be there in a minute. Just kind of heartbreaking, right? Yeah, definitely. She's worked so hard, and she seems like she gets get no joy out of any of it. Yeah, definitely not. And I, that's the thing. It's like you know, you know, why? What? What? Like you know, I mean, I don't understand what's the problem here. Like, what? Why? Why is she so? But you know, when it, when you're dealing with people with like you know, kind of like you know, especially severe alcoholism on top of mental mental illness, you know, possibly, which, which is not what we might be looking at here. Who knows the unpredictability, you know? I mean, you, you freak out and have crazy emotional fucking swings trying to tame something like that and control it. Uh, like, I could imagine it being incredibly fucking difficult. Yeah, you just hear her say, like, I make things beautiful for them and, and no one makes things beautiful for me. It just seems like, I don't know if she can be pleased. And that's kind of how karma is, though, right? Like, nothing yeah. ever seems to please him, but that's part of why he's successful. Because he keeps trying to, you know, well, how do you do better? How do you do better? Like, you can't be pleased. But eventually, you know, we even hear that. He can't have fun. Right at the beginning of the season, he's trying to find out what can he do to amuse himself. He can't enjoy himself. And I think this speaks to why. Yeah, it definitely has a lot to do with it, which is another reason why this episode was, you know, important, even though it kind of didn't, you know, fit into the into the scheme of the season here, you know, but uh, I think it would have fit wherever they put it. I just, I also think it was perfectly placed where it was. So. Yeah. hundred percent. What do you think? Do you think Richie actually got the job from uncle Jimmy and then went back to the beef? Or do you think he never actually got the job? I really want to know what the job is. Um, I think he did. And right. I, it's and, a very nebulous job. It could be anything at this point. Yeah, and, and again, very, very fucking good scene between the two of them. Like I said earlier, I love any interaction. And Julian Jacobs killing it here too. Just that's Tiffany. So, uh, yeah, in a, a pretty, t- pretty tense one, you know, because you know that you know that Jimmy's like this motherfucker, you know, and uh, and at the end of it, you know, when Richie gives the 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 fucking uh, whispered thank you, you know, and you get the wink out of Uncle Jimmy over there. Uh, that's definitely going to go somewhere. Again, I hope we learn about more of that, you know, in the upcoming season. I think I think there's some job again. It's whatever that job is. Whether or not he's still doing that job while he's working at the beef five years later when we originally meet him, or if it was something that he did and kind of got out of, and, or just didn't work out, and then he's back at the beef. You know, so it depends on what the job was, man. It really does, and and that sounds like life in a restaurant. Probably depends on what the night was, what the job was. One thing I'm not going to give any context to, just note that uh, Richie hears Uncle Jimmy talking about uh, getting a chocolate covered banana when he was a kid. And if, you know, Carmen was ever going to assassinate anybody, they would call him Carmen Anthony Versato. Yeah. You got to have three names if you're an assassin, dude. You're not a good assassin if you don't have three names. Three jobs, fine. Back at the table, Lee and Mikey continue to bicker and uncle jimmy asks Stephen to say grace he declines and michelle asks about the origin of the seven fishes lee tries to answer her but mikey throws a fork at him mikey then takes a second fork from fact and throws it at lee 
Mikey continues to escalate things, and Lee rips into him for living with his mom and borrowing money for anyone who lend it to him. He also accuses Mikey of being on drugs and says that if Mikey throws another fork at him, he's going to get fucking rocked. Mikey picks up another fork and Natalie begs him not to throw it. Jimmy tells Mikey and Lee that they're both being assholes. Lee tells Mikey to throw the fork or put it down. It looks like things are going to come to a dramatic conclusion when Donna finally walks in. Steve winds up giving the grace after all, and he does a very nice job. Donna is moved by his words, and Natalie makes a mistake of asking if she's okay. Donna goes off on Natalie, and she storms away. Lee makes a comment about Donna, which causes Mikey to finally throw that third fork at him. Both men flip the fuck out, and the rest of the guests try to keep them apart. All hell breaks loose, and it only gets crazier when Donna drives her car through the house into the dining room. As Mikey screams at Donna to open the door, Carm stares at the fork, which landed in the cannolis, which were for dessert. The episode ends as it began, with Natalie once again stressing the fuck out. So let me just ask you, man, just how intense was this the first time you watched it, man, when they start throwing the forks and it builds and builds, and then it seems like, oh, all right, maybe it's going to get kind of toned down, diffused, and then it winds back up again, and then Donna drives through the goddamn house. Just, I, 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 I didn't even know when I when it first started. I thought Donna was trying to commit suicide. I didn't know what she was doing. Like when she wouldn't open the window or whatever, I thought she was trying to kill herself because she talked about that before. I didn't even know what to think. Well, uh, okay, so this could definitely be taken. Uh, I don't think they, as far as I know, that hasn't really been explained, right? She just drove through. I guess she just wanted attention. So, I. I yeah, maybe, or was she doing the whole fucking, I'm going to fucking, uh, you know, uh, put the fucking car on in the garage and carbon monoxide. Right, own. and then just accidentally put it, like, turn off the parking brake or it something. Goes, right, yeah, it just goes into drive and cruises through the house, you know, I mean, that's a possibility. That would probably be my guess um, as to what happened or why that had happened. That was just my initial instinct, because she kept talking about killing herself, right, and she wanted, right. but on the other hand, she also wanted people to acknowledge her, and this was certainly a way to do it. After making all this food or whatever, no one's giving her the attention she wants her. I mean, this was an incredibly powerful last fucking tail end of fucking any episode because, you know, again, it is the tension with the forks and the throwing the forks and the build up. That's that. so the, the, the face same, acting on John Barenthal when he's just doing those eyes, the crazy eyes. Yeah. John Barenthal can do crazy eyes, yo. He's got the crazy. He can do the crazy eyes, dude. Um. You know, even even like you know, dude, fucking it end, ends up end, ends up having to fucking say grace. You know, even though he declined earlier, but he does such a fucking. He killed it, dude. Killed it, dude, and uh, and just everything, everything about it, it like the the shit before that, that itself, and uh, and what happens after it leads up to you know final that final fourth throw, you know, because uh, once uh you know once Donna fucking storms out and breaks the plate and everything, you know, kind of has a little bit of a meltdown, then of course fucking Lee has to be a dick and say some shit about it. So Mikey gets pissed off and he fucking launches that fucking fork, dude. You know, and then it's I like I thought that the grace was gonna defuse it. I'm crazy. Like I was I really thought I'm like, okay, fine. It, it, it was so you know, it's just beautiful and it made like, oh, this is what and it's also like that's Christmas, right? That's a great not only is it a great grace, it's a great Christmas grace. 
Yeah, and you do get that you do get that sense for a minute that hey man, maybe everything will get to like peaceful now. Maybe there won't be no more. Yeah, you get that kind of in like lampoons, like a Christmas vacation or whatever. You always get that point where okay, maybe it's all gonna be okay, and then of course it has to go to hell because you know that's the most interesting thing for a narrative standpoint. But really, you thought it was gonna go to hell with the forks, and then her driving through the house just took it. I never. You could have given me ten thousand guesses, and Donna driving a car through the house during that i never would have guessed that i never would have got yeah. i mean ten thousand, maybe ten thousand and one, maybe i get there but ten thousand guesses i don't think i'm getting that yeah i'm with you on that man but i'll know. buy it right that's the yeah, best part yeah, about it it's crazy but they've set it up so well that she's in just this such dark place and she just like needs attention but doesn't understand why or what kind of attention it's like your cry for help right absolutely yeah definitely definitely and, uh, you know, the fact that whether it is like she was trying to snuff herself out with the fucking monoxide or whatever, or she just decided to be like, you know what? Or, yeah, just running the car into something. Maybe who knows? Just yeah. anything's better than this, right? I mean, at that point, man, I mean, she's pretty fucking banged up, dude. So probably not thinking 100% clear on that. So uh, who knows? But and again, it could have been a number of different fucking scenarios. I don't understand the way her fucking brain is working. So it could have been whatever. But uh yeah, she's definitely hitting the wine, the, the vino, during all the cooking, too. So she's probably been hitting the sauce since 8 a.m. It's roughly, so I'd say at least 12 hours of wine. Oh, yeah. So I put down a couple of bottles by herself, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. You know, and then who knows what else. But, uh, but and then it just, it, it was just such a fucking, like, it built to that. And then it's Mikey banging on the fucking window. And it's just, it just slows it down to where it's him just like, uh, yelling ma open the door you know and shit and that's just how it fades out and it gets more and more echo echo and, and it finally you get you get calm staring at the fucking cannolis and shit with the fork sticking out of it perfect fucking scene yeah the fork of it all dude and the fucking uh you know and then again the voice slowing down as he's as he's beating on the window trying to get it you know trying to get her attention and everything else and then it switches over to natalie and it just and it fades out out on her man it's just fucking it, like such a fucking damn it powerful fucking words you know be honest there dude drugs or not if somebody like you're sitting six feet away from someone and they fake throwing a fork at me i'm gonna flinch probably so i, I really yeah, probably, man, I'll, in that I'll aspect <laughs> but then you end up with a fork in your head i don't think you could die from fork but you definitely lose an eyeball you definitely lose an eye, dude. I mean, you could fuck somebody up with a fork, dude. I mean, you get them, you get them one yeah, time. Yeah, it's with... harder than you think, probably, to get it to like land. Like, you know, it's like throwing a knife or whatever. It's harder than you think to get it to land. Lights oh, on, get a perfect, properly fucking, yeah, with the fucking prongs, like straight into. The yeah, because like, the back half, unless it's a perfect, like you're gonna have to get really lucky. But yeah, you, you can't still hit it on a flat side. But right, let's be honest. Is when is it acceptable to throw a fork at someone? It really probably ever isn't, man, unless you want to, unless you're trying to fight. I'll give you a plastic spork, like the joint you get from KFC, the little white black spork or whatever. Like you could throw that because it's probably like throwing a paper airplane at somebody. There's like a 10,001 chance it hits them in the eyeball, but other than that, it's just going to annoy them at best. Uh, it depends on the context, I think. If you're doing it in a mean, like, fuck you, I'm throwing this fucking thing at you, or if it's like a playful, like, I got you. Hey, God, you have a spork already. It's got to be kind of playful. Got you good, you fucker. I got a spork, man. 
Spark. <laughs> Big fan of the Spark, no, dude. I mean, that, that, if you're I mean, out there and you're mean and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you, dude. And I'm gonna start with this fucking Spork, dude, and just whip it at somebody. You know, then it's a different story than like, you know, just fucking around throwing a Spork at someone. Like, yeah, I've, I've <laughs> seen like a giant wooden Spork for like some kind of soup thing. But it's like a wooden spoon, but like with the three Spork yeah, at the end. Yeah. That's it's a tool. It's a real tool, yeah. dude. It is. It is. Yeah. That's a real one. I've seen that one. You know, I don't know if it's for the gazpacho or whatever, but uh, you know, for the soup. not for the gazpacho, for pasta, uh, long pastas like fettuccine. Oh yeah, or, or use it with tossed in a salad or something. Maybe right. I think that's probably the other place I've seen that used. I, I think we've probably touched on this, but you know, definitely bold move to drop a double length, almost triple length flashback episode in the middle of your second season, right? Any drawbacks you think that that came from it? We've talked about all the positives. Was anything bad about it? I don't think so, man. Uh, as out of place and everything that it was, it still just fucking worked, you know? I think it did a great job of both adding context to what we've already seen and adding context to what we see going forward. The only thing I would say is that it does kill a touch of the momentum you had coming out of five, but it ultimately gets picked back up in seven. But there was a, a little bit in seven where it took me a minute to remember why everything was the way it was because my brain was especially if you're binging you know you're yeah. doing 28 minutes you watch this for 66 minutes you need to take a break yeah. especially because forks is next and like you really need to like go the first time i did this i didn't take a break and man i went into that episode and like looking back i wish i would have just been like you know what dude go eat something relax a little bit you don't you want to watch the next one so badly but it's a you know this is pretty heavy and uh, yeah, again, back to I think they should have, I think they should have positioned or released these a little bit differently. And uh, ideally, it would be yeah, even if you're gonna do split yeah, it right, like part one, part two, do five and five. This would have been a great way to end the first five. Or, yeah, oh, well, yeah. six. Go six and four. Then do six and four. Release this is like the, the cap on your first six. Then wait three weeks, a month, or whatever. Then drop the last four. Because everybody would have been talking. I mean, everybody who already has been talking about fishes, but I think they would have talked about it even more. Yeah, probably because then there would have been a then there would have been an element of suspense as far as like what's going to come next, you know, instead of already knowing because it's already there. Which is one thing I miss. I mean, even on a week to week, but I do think that after this episode, they should have at least taken like a week off. Like it would have been perfect to have it fall like and then take a week and then come back, you know, and bring the rest of the season back week by week, you know. Yeah. I Will you attempt at Christmas to show this to anybody? Like, and you're like people who haven't seen the bear. Would you dare just like, all right, you know, everyone's putting on a Christmas movie or something? Would you dare just throw this on? I don't know. Maybe it would definitely depend on the scene and who was there. Well, I, I, I like my if it were like my family or whatever, and I were at like family Christmas. I don't know. I don't know. Well, like, hey, I, I think your siblings, yes, your pops, maybe your mom, probably not. I mean, it's good enough to where it's like it, it. It wouldn't be something I'd be like, "Oh man, this isn't something I want to show." You know? Yeah, it's it definitely relatable. I mean, it's, they, it's good enough TV to just like not whether you're a little curse heavy, but other than that, I mean, it's I mean, it's super relatable. I think for people yeah. who have had to like cook Christmas dinner for everybody, especially if you have to keep up a tradition and cook this huge meal in a small kitchen, I think it's incredibly relatable. You know, all yeah, the different absolutely. people coming in from out of town, having to beg your kid to come back or something. I, I mean, it feels really real. And I think at the end of the day, that's why it hits so well, even though it's a you know a pretty big departure from your typical episode of The Bear. 
Yeah, and I really like that, actually. You know, I mean, it, it's nice to not have the same episode every fucking week. Not saying right. that that's a show that knows what it is. It, they, you know, it's confident, right? It can go out there and do a different thing because they know what it, you know, the bear knows what the bear is. Yeah, and they did it, and they did a great fucking job at it, man. Anything you want to highlight off the soundtrack, there's a lot of great ones here. I like the Ramones joint. I didn't even really realize they'd done a Christmas joint, so that was kind of cool to yeah. hear that come up. I, I didn't really remember that one. Uh, the, the George Harrison was nice. Dominic the Donkey was fun. Just a couple of random ones. And uh, what was the, the and one good Dean Martin one for the, uh, the thing we did last summer. I think that was it. Oh, and a Weezer joint, right? Uh, the Christmas song, the Weezer joint. I think there was a Weezer joint in there, right? It was just so... Yeah, and uh, more Lindsey Buckingham, right? And I, I want you. We already had that Lindsey Buckingham for the second time this season, I think. Yeah, uh, there was a lot. This uh, this soundtrack was packed. It was a it was a handful. You know, it was a good fucking handful, man. There was a lot of songs in this one. Definitely, definitely a cool one. And I think it fit the, the Christmas soundtrack pretty well. You know, I mean, come December, man, I'm definitely going to give this one another look, and I'll definitely give that soundtrack another listen, man. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to use this as a way to like a gateway episode, gateway drug to try to get more people into the bear. And I guess we got to figure out, is, is this a full handful? What is it? Because we need to give a grade to fishes. We grade each episode of the bear on the Michelin scale here, zero to three stars. Soup, on a scale of zero to three stars, you can give half stars if necessary. How many are you giving two fishes? Yeah, fuck it, man. This is a three-star episode. It's it's good, dude. It's it's a good one. I'm surprised you had to talk yourself into it. Yeah, three stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. You I, I love it because it's like a standalone episode, man. You could you, This would be one you could be like, hey, watch this but it doesn't really tell you much about what the show really is but it kind of does i don't know but it would be a good one to, for like somebody who'd never seen it to be like watch that first yeah i guess you get away with that and then it'll, it'll right they might like, be mad that that's not how every episode is but it's so good you'd right, want to see these yeah. characters more yeah so that's why i think it was brilliant the way they put it like where where they positioned it you know yeah i think it's uh, put it this way if we were doing this on a scale of zero to a hundred where would you put it? I think I'd have it in the 97 to 100 range. It's like it would there. be way, you know, this isn't a case of where three stars is like a rounding error or something. I think this is like legit, like top of the top of the top of there is a decent chance this might be the best episode on television in 2023. And this is a year where, if nothing else, Succession had like two absolute slammers. There's been a couple of really good episodes of television this year and this might be the the best one that anybody does but the, it might not even be the best episode of the bear this season how good it is dude yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm just so excited to talk about this and you know we're talking about tough calls here dude who's your mvp for fishes i, I mean there are so many good candidates here if you had to pick one who's your mvp for this episode for this mini movie for fishes yeah, uh, dude, this is tough, man. I mean, and it really came down to two for me at the end. At the end of the day, after all the fucking, uh, you know, trying to figure it out, it came down to two. But I got to give it to the to Donna, to Jamie Lee Curtis, Donna Brazada. I'm right there with Donna. I, I was trying to go like with the like uh, Stevie. Maybe is like my subtle he was MVP. Awesome. He was so good, especially because I didn't expect that. Like Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis, I kind of expected, and, and nothing against John Milani. Just again, not like a wheelhouse dude. Jamie Lee Curtis has been in so many things I've seen for the majority of my life. And but then she's been like on that. a roll lately here. And they let her, I think they made her look older than she actually looks in real life here. 
You know what I mean? The, the just the cracks and yeah, just maybe. and she was so real. Like I believed she was in that kitchen slaving over this food and that she cared like that and everything. It was just I thought it was just a powerhouse performance. And like I yeah. said, I'm pretty sure she's going to be the favorite to win the, the, the guest the guest actor award here for the Emmys because she just slayed it. And I mean, half the other people in the category with her from this episode or from the bear. So, you know, they're doing something pretty good. They're definitely onto something here, man. And just, just for fucking sake of conversation, my, the, the, the number two, I was really fucking, you know, the, the neck and neck here. Was uh, John Barenthal with uh, with, well, Mikey. with Mikey? He did a great fucking, you know. Yeah, I wanted with, to get Natalie in there too. Everyone is so good. They just all did good. I everybody, mean, every there's. I love spending time with everyone in this episode. This could have been two hours, and I wouldn't complain probably. Like just yeah. hanging out, telling stories, how they were doing. Right. We got a little bit of taste of that with like the facts of Michelle and everyone on the couch, and like I would like to hear a full Mikey story. I mean, it was a full-on family Christmas. You get that, where like people dive off and do yeah. that. Oh, yeah, everyone's in their own sections, people hanging out in the kitchen. Still the, you know, still the chaos of everything else, and, and everything's centrally located, or the, the heartbeat of everything is the kitchen, man, when it comes to something like that, you know? Yeah, and that's a small one, but everyone's still in there, and the way everyone kind of comes to pay their respects and, you know, steal their little taste of food or comment or try to help, and it, it just, it, it felt so real, and I think that's one of the, you know, the bear's greatest strength is it's obviously you know a, a show but it god damn if it doesn't really feel about as real and relatable as anything on television they do an excellent job man i mean the writing is fucking fantastic you know and the the, the acting and just the way it's played out is fucking top notch dude yeah i mean i think this kind of that's more or less the end of fishes I think now maybe we'll do a short spoiler section here where we'll talk about fishes as it relates to maybe anything else from the remainder of season two. So that means if you haven't seen past fishes, past episode six, press stop, go to the next episode, do what you have to do. Thank you for checking us out. We'll be back to finish up season two, but for everybody else from here on out, full spoilers for the rest of season two. Dude, I just, the forks thing. This is just writing, right? How hard they've seeded forks throughout this season. And, you know, even a little bit of metaphor, getting forked, right? Like, it's just, I just think it's just gorgeous. a lot of forking, man. Yeah. In, in different kinds of forks, right? Like, in the next episode, Richie's polishing forks. In the finale, it's they don't have enough forks. The way they do some of this stuff is great. And then... I do have to ask, were you surprised that we actually, of all the other characters to show up, I think we got one little scene with Jillian Jacobs, but Donna showing up in the finale and then only seeing Pete outside. Were you surprised by that, that we even got her at all again? Because I was worried for her health, honestly. Like, I was kind of impressed. You don't know what, yeah, we don't know what happened after the fucking driving the car through the fucking house. Man, we don't even know if she made it out of that. You know, I don't, we don't really hear anything about it, right? Until, hey, I invited mom. I think Sugar says, right? And Carm's like, okay, I'm okay with it. So then at that point, I'm like, okay, we're going to see Jamie Lecurtis again, you know? So I kind of was like anticipating her making an appearance. Uh, the appearance she made, eh, I mean, not what I expected, but I'm not surprised, you know? No, it worked because you get the idea it was like Mikey, right? She was worried that Carm had a good thing going and she did, She felt like if she showed up, she was going to blow for him somehow. That's kind of the way, right. you know, I, totally I get that. it. But- 
kind of the same energy Mikey had her here with Carmelo, right? Like, just like, yeah, dude, I, I totally would want to do this and be with you, but it'll screw you up. You need to do your own thing. Right. And especially, I think, with, you know, with Sugar, with Natalie being more involved, now she's like, well, now this is both of my kids that are remaining. And it was Mikey's thing that they're kind of building on, and I can't be, feel responsible for fucking this up. I just think it says a lot that her character has so much weight after just this one episode. You know, that now it just feels like, are we going to see her again? What does Donna think? It, you know, now going forward, it, it almost feels like you need to see her again. I think so, man. I mean, it's, uh, she's a matriarch of the family, you know. I would like to find out what happened with the father, you know. I, I think, think that, we're going to have to. story would be kind of cool. Where is he, you know. I think we have to hear something about their father. That sets up kind of too obviously. Mikey does bring that up. He does bring that up. He makes it a point at dinner to 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 directly say to Lee, "Hey, this is my father's my father. house." You know, right, right. So he I'm assuming he died you. one way or the other. We don't know how. And do you think we'll actually get to see Lee again or anyone else from the flashback? Lee, Stevie, cousin Michelle. I'd like to see I them all. To be perfectly honest. Um, I think if we I think if we get any kind of Carms New York story, we get cousin Michelle in there. That makes a lot of sense. Or even if they go to New York for some reason. Yeah, or maybe they go to New York for some reason. A competition or a conference or something like that. Or oh, yeah, definitely that ways be, you, yeah, that you can work her in, you know right. what I mean? They have to go to like some expo or something like that or whatever. Yeah. I do think the backstory would be the more likely play, but uh but yeah, either way, I mean I'd I think Bob Odenkirk's the name we probably, you know, heard and he got leaked a little bit because maybe he is going to be around a little bit more. And that's, he's on that's the paper, fine. you know, as far as the money, he's involved somehow with the money situation. So, right now, is he still? I mean, that he's part of the loan that was owed to Jimmy. So if they pay him off, I guess not. But I, I feel like if you can get Bob Odenkirk in this day and age, you bring him back again. I, yeah, 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 and, I, and I'm fine with that too, man. Um, I'd like, I always like to see more, more Bob Odenkirk. Don't love the character he plays, you know. I mean, but maybe. Well, that's why I'd like to see more. I mean, uh, yeah. this show is so good. I would like if say him and Jimmy were like, you know, buddies from back in the day, coming up in the neighborhood or something. I'd watch that episode like Brock Hale style or something. You know what I mean, dude? I could get behind that for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely. how I think they could easily do five or six seasons because there's so many rich characters. Like, if they really wanted to, especially do some flashback type stuff or whatever and build this world out, this is a super interesting universe world to live in. And it's, like, just really detailed and, and fresh and, and exciting to kind of, like, live with these characters because they feel so real. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Lee sucks, but, I mean, you get why he might be how who he is, and that's why Mikey, who you know... If it was all kind of well balanced normal characters, it wouldn't be that interesting of a show, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. And I, I definitely think that we do see more of some of these characters from from the from this episode, man. Odin, you know, Uncle uh, Lee or whatever the fuck his name is, Odin Kirk's guy there, and he, uh, he probably is one of the ones that we'll see again. Now, I think if we do see him again, that directly ties in the fact that we're going to see Jamie Lee Curtis again too, and I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Also, at least I would think. I mean, why? Yeah, yeah. I, I also would think so, 100. Yeah. percent In just one nice touch here, where we get the idea, maybe the the origin of Richie being a people person. He remembers Jimmy talking about this chocolate covered banana which is yeah. one of my favorite moments in the finale 
when he sends a surprise to Jimmy. Character, dude. Yeah, man. Like that's <laughs> that's it. That's a culmination of Richie's arc, though, right? Everything he learned. And that's also when Jimmy like respects Richie, I think, for the first time. And like, you know what I mean? Kind of like is proud that Richie is made good on the, the promise he thought he had or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And you know, I know we're on our spoiler thing, but again, this is like we'll we'll go more into detail when we talk about that episode, right? Hundred percent, but very, very big, uh, big moment there, you know, uh, between the two of them. And I always like the internet interactions between those two because, uh, yeah, I I, 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 was, I teared up a little bit the first time I saw that dude. It was just such a good moment. It is it's gonna, it pays off this, it pays off forks, and it pays off like the relationship between him and Jim. It's just so good. Right. Oh, yeah, it's huge. And just the way they set it up here, it's just nice and subtle again, just so well written. Yep. Absolutely. And before we get out of here, if they're going to do an, another flashback episode, should they try to top this or do they just have to go like smaller and less ambitious? Because I don't know how you top this. I don't think they need to do another one of these unless they can do another one of these but that is that would top this i i would be more happy with whittle you know you don't have to give me an hour of fucking uh of a huge fucking intense flashback you know little things throughout an episode even might be cool you know a little fucking uh sprinkle this sprinkle that you know you get 10 15 minutes of uh of something that gives you enough of a story to understand okay cool we don't probably need a whole fucking hour episode of uh you know a fucking we don't, but I mean, I trust these people. They can maybe, I do too. Um, <laughs> they, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to blindly trust if they told me they were going to do, you know, a flashback to the, the, the Brazano family in, in Sicily back in the day or something, I, I would watch the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh, they have not disappointed. So, uh, I, I mean, whatever they do, I'm going to, I'm going to be fucking pumped about. So, you know, until they do, I'm not, I'm not going to even fucking focus or worry about that. But yeah, the, again, I don't know that I would love the, like, but we didn't know that this was going to happen this year. So I like the, oh, we have no idea. That's what made it so beautiful. A lot yeah. of shows, you know, no trailer, think, no keep anything. That, yeah, keep that element of surprise, man. Keep that suspense and, and fucking, uh, yeah, I'm down, man. I mean, this is a show I'm on, dude. I, I'm not a, well, fuck it. It's basically a prediction, but remember when they're ripping the lockers out and they have to open Mikey's locker and they find the hat and they start reminiscing about that Chicago cook-off or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I'm betting that's the next flashback then. Like to okay. that. And All it's right. like the, the story of that hat. So it's, you know, a few years forward, you know what I mean? Kind of cool. in between, in between fishes in the current timeline. I don't know. That seems like it could be cool maybe. Well, what was it? Two hundred and what fucking weeks? This is two fifty six. So, so that's what four years, five years. Yeah, five. Yeah, basically a little bit under five years. Fifty two weeks a year. So five. That's a hundred or that's two hundred and sixty. So a shade under five years. Yeah. So there's a lot between there and. Yeah, so they could do that cook all, you know what I mean, like halfway through or something. I'm just thinking of a way you could do it, and then that would be like the origin story of how that hat ends up in the locker or something like that. I would like to see an origin story of how. That why would? Up. Why was there only the one hat in the locker? Right. I don't know. Dude, I just dude, think that'd be cool, dude. Yeah, I wouldn't. I almost wouldn't even be surprised if most of like what happens moving forward with the show 
is a lot of fucking backstory and not so much of, you know, because now they're open. Maybe they just do a lot of fucking backstory. I don't want them to. I don't think that would be the play. But uh <laughs> oh, there's so many ways you can go. You can start doing diving more to the staff, you can start showing some of the customers. I mean, you can do a longer season. That's the beauty yeah, that's, of that's now the kind of shit I want to see. I want to see live action in the restaurant, you know. And I think they have to at some point, but that's what everyone like that you didn't you're I know you didn't watch Breaking Bad, but there used to be what they would call cooking montages where they would, you know, actually make the meth. And that was what everyone, everyone looked like. These were the montages. They were awesome. They always looked cool. They had great songs. They brought, they moved the plot forward. But the problem is you can't just do montages all the time. You want to be in Sons of Anarchy. You know what I mean? So I think they, as much as I'd like to see them just do that, I think they need to pick and choose because when they do it, it's so brilliant. You know, it's not all the time, but you see it with Marcus, you see it in Forks, you see it in the finale. When they do it, you know they have that gear but i think it makes it more worthwhile because you don't get it all the time so you know what i mean the heart wants what it can't have if you did too much of it then oh, right can't overseason it dude perfect amounts the show is good at giving perfect amounts perfect portions man of any of every little bit right they, they know it's enough been, like it's our... been perfect portions all season here's dude. a gravy here's a lobster here's some homemade pasta some decent bread have fun you don't need seven fishes Except for you kind of do need seven fishes because you didn't know you needed seven fishes, but then once you have the seven fishes, you don't know how you can live without them. And, and that's not how the bear works. Like, that's it, dude. Like, you didn't know you needed us, but then you get a little taste and you're like, these motherfuckers ain't bad, right? Uh, we're still kind of working our way through season two here. I think we're going to try to knock out the final four episodes in like two little blocks. We're going to knock out seven and eight in the next episode. And I fucking love Forks. That's episode seven. So super hyped for that one. That's what we're coming up next. And then we'll do nine and ten, the penultimate and the finale, which are just incredible in their own right. I am, I love the entire season, but I think the back half of season two of the Bears is good as anything I've seen in a minute on television. It's fucking awesome. So remember to check us out again wherever you get your pods. We are the Bear Brigade on the YouTube, presented by Regular Dudes Watched Up, on social media, at Dudes Watched Up. Do not forget those flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's important. It's just as important as fixing the handle to your walk-in. I swear, if you don't do it, it's going to come back around to haunt you. Thank you again for checking us out. I'm Magna Mills. He's a soup producer. And remember, you either fork or you get forked. Or sparked. I don't know how to get sparked either. Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next time. Let it rip. With some sports. Oh, there's a little white duck sitting in the water. A little white duck doing what he ought. He took a bite of a lily pad. He flapped.